0: Hello world, thanks for tuning in to Things You Should Care About, a brand new pop culture focused podcast where your host, myself, Tyler Haas, will take you on a journey into the past to take a look at something you should care about. It's a podcast, let me show you something cool about a movie or a song or something. This week, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite albums of all time, the seminal debut record from classic rock icons, Boston. Released on August 25, 1976, the album spawned three successful singles, with the epic anthem More Than a Feeling reaching number five on the Billboard Hot 100, with the other two singles Long Time and Peace of Mind also breaking the top 50. It went platinum during its first year, meaning that it sold one million copies. Since then, Boston has gone platinum 17 times, becoming one of the best-selling debut records of all time, only behind Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. So why did I want to talk about this album, out of the thousands of other classic records that have been released? What's so special about this admittedly cheesy rock album? Critics and opponents to Boston's debut like to put down its signature sound by referring to it as corporate rock, due to its glossy engineering and gorgeous pop hooks. Boston denouncers say it is the peak of just creating music that will sell, instead of the music being a genuine artistic statement. But, if you actually look at the story of how this gym was written and recorded, you'll see that the haters are so far from the truth. I'm making this episode so that Boston will finally receive the respect they deserve for creating one of the most perfect pop records of all time. But first, we're going to have to go back back in time. Let's take a look at what other music was coming out in 1976. The top selling albums of that year were Frampton Comes Alive, Peter Frampton's classic live record, Wings at the Speed of Sound by Paul McCartney's Wings, and the groundbreaking Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. I'm definitely not trying to discredit the success of those artists. They all released great records that year. But they are all a completely different style to the sound that Boston created on their debut. If you look at the top singles of that year, it is pretty similar. The number one song of 1976 is Paul McCartney's answer to criticism from old bandmate John Lennon, Silly Little Love Songs, by Wings. Other highlights from that year are Dancing Queen by ABBA, Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry, and Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. These are all amazing tracks, but aside from the third act of Bohemian Rhapsody, there's a surprising lack of the screaming guitars and ripping lead vocals that are so important to Boston's signature sound. Boston's signature sound comes straight from the magic of guitarist, keyboardist, and songwriter Tom Scholz. Tom Scholz was born and raised in Toledo, Ohio. He received both his bachelor's and master's degree in mechanical engineering from the Massachusetts Institute for Technology in Boston. It was at MIT that Scholes developed a love for both music and the city of Boston that would eventually lead to his pop masterpiece. While studying at MIT, Scholz joined the band Mother's Milk, where he met featured Boston members, guitarist Barry Gudrea and drummer Jim Mazdia. And soon after, the man with the voice of an angel, Brad Delp, joined the group as well. After graduating from MIT, Scholes got a job at Polaroid, where he used his salary to build a studio in his basement and to finance the recording of demo songs at professional studios. These recordings, which featured Barry Gordera on guitar, Jim Masia on drums, Delp on vocals, and Scholes on guitar, bass, and keyboards. These demos were rejected over and over by labels. Soon, Scholes took matters into his own hands. With the help of Mazzy and Delp, Shoals recorded demos of a lot of the songs that made it on the record. These demos, which were recorded in Shoals' basement, featured Shoals on all the guitars, bass, and keyboards, with Mazzy and Delp doing drums and vocals respectively. These demos of the now-classic songs eventually ended up in the hands of Epic Records that had previously passed on the Mother's Milk demo tapes. Epic signed Shoals and Delp, and then they acquired the name Boston. The next part of the story has been called one of the most complex corporate capers in the history of the music business. Epic wanted the band to re-record the demos at a professional studio, while keeping the demos sound intact. Scholz did not like that at all. Scholz had developed his own workflow and way of doing things during his years of recording in his basement. So Scholz decided that he would just record it all again, himself. While the rest of the band was out in L.A. recording Delp's sole contribution to the record, Let Me Take You Home Tonight, Scholes was at home finishing everything himself. The producer even had an expensive, custom tailor acoustic guitar built for Delp to be used on the album, all on the company's dime. But in reality, all the acoustic guitar on that record was recorded by Scholes on a $100 Yamaha. All in all, the album ended up only costing a few thousand dollars to record, a fraction of the price a record would cost back in those days. And for a record that went on to sell a million copies in its first year, That has to be a great profit margin. Now let's take a look at the music itself. All the music you've heard so far and will hear from the album is from my personal first pressing of Boston's self-titled record. Everything you will hear will be as it was heard by Eric, Hyde, and Kelso during one of their smoke circles in the basement. So let's set the scene. It is the summer of 1976. You're driving down the road in some sort of Oldsmobile. You have the windows down, the breeze is perfect, you probably don't have seatbelts on because it's the 1970s, and you and your significant other don't have a care in the world. You're driving for the sake of driving, which is probably a bad idea because of the current oil embargo. But you did it anyway, because y'all are young and stupid and madly in love. You realize the radio isn't on, so you turn it up and you hear this. Magic, right? You just heard the intro to the first track of Side One, More Than a Feeling. With this song, Bossing created and quite possibly perfected the formula that they would use for the rest of their career. Not saying they were a one-hit wonder, More Than a Feeling is just that damn good. From the soaring dueling guitar licks to Delp's epic belting, this song encapsulates the very thing the lyrics are about, a song that when you hear it brings you back to a wonderful memory. Next up, we have my personal favorite from the record, Peace of Mind. Starting off with the classic use of tambourine and the first use of of acoustic guitar on the record, this song has a chorus so catchy that I have yet to get tired of singing it in the shower. It also features another Shoals classic, harmonizing guitars. The last song inside one is a change of pace. It's a grand two-part epic that starts with a prog rock piece so badass that even the boys from Yes could be jealous with its nasally power chords and its blazing fast organ licks. Foreplay ends with a cacophonous collage of guitar feedback, organ, reverb, and cymbal crashes. It all then drops out after a classical S suspended five-chord in the organ part into a pensive organ section that leads perfectly into the perfectly bombastic intro for Longtime. Longtime features more of the classic Boston sound of impossibly loud guitars and a gorgeous chorus sung by Delp. What a way to end Side 1. Side 2 is a bit more variety, with the first two songs being classic rock radio staples. Rock and Roll Band might be a little on the nose in its lyrics, but it's still got a damn fine pop hook. The song right after that, Smokin', features more amazing organ solos from Shoals, and features a rockabilly-style rhythm guitar part. After this comes a song that I've always overlooked, but after diving in this record for this episode, it's actually one of my favorite songs. Hitch a Ride starts off soft, with pretty acoustic guitar and some tasteful lead vocal harmonies. The final guitar solo features some licks that seem to borrow from the Brian May bag of trips, with some nasty bends and super catchy melodic ideas. The last two songs of the record are fine, but kind of forgettable. Like, they're not bad or anything, but they're just kind of eh. With Something About You. Featuring more dueling guitar harmonies during the intro, and the last track, Let Me Take You Home Tonight, which has a catchy chorus and a nice change of pace tempo-wise. And with that, Boston created a rock and roll masterpiece, whose legacy lives on to this day. Unfortunately, they were never able to reach those heights again. Their next record, Don't Look Back, and its eponymous single sold pretty well, but after that single, nothing else in their catalog pulled off the magic from their first record. After lineup changes, difficulty from disagreements of rights to songs with labels and previous band members, and the eventual death of vocalist Brad Delp, the magic seems to have ended with their first self-titled record. But to me, that's okay. Boston put more heart and soul and goddamn rock and roll in the one album than most do in their entire career. Shoals and Crew set a standard for guitar music that bands like Weezer and The Darkness would not be able to exist without. It's one of my favorite records. I hope after today, you grow to love it too. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Things You Should Care About. This episode was really fun to make because it gave me an excuse to blast this record over and over again. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to us on whatever service you are listening on, so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on the Things You Should Care About Facebook page. And again, thanks for listening.